Jeremy Pena has set the stage here for Jordan Alvarez, one of the most feared hitters in the game. Representing the winning run for the Astros. And Alvarez belts it! Deep to right field! Gets it goodbye! Unbelievable! The Astros a walk-off win! Jordan Alvarez a walk-off three-run homer! And the Astros stun the Mariners in game one of the division series! Incredible! Entertainment capital of the world. Center cut curveball, but it was nasty. It's the TC Martin Show. Verlander deals a 3-2. And a called strike three. TC Martin. And now the Astros with a runner at first for Alex Bregman. And Bregman sends one deep in the left center field. This is way back. And it is gone. Alex Bregman gets the Astros off the deck. It's time to get your daily prescription from the strikeout number nine the doctor is now in uh yes a great time in houston final four championship game astros getting their rings a celebration fantastic weekend appreciate everybody for following me all along with that and also the guys who uh, took over for me on uh friday scott uh, spritzer marco d'angelo for filling in brian feldman a fantastic job yesterday i appreciate him as well too and then us doing the show on Monday, and uh, our guests uh, from Houston, Mattress Mac, Lon Kruger, just uh, to name a few. Great stuff there as well, too. Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News, all those guys. And, uh, yes, uh, you can go to the website, uh, check out our recap of all that as well, too, and also constructing a Final Four page will be up uh, in the next couple of days as well, too. Got a chance to spend uh, time with Gene Cady, Kelvin Sampson, uh, Bill Walton, a lot of others. Uh, so great trip down in H-Town. All right, hour number two of the show. I want to thank Pete Gillen for joining us in hour number one. That'll be up on the website a little bit later on as well, too. For all your needs, go to tcmartinshow.com, the current interview page, past interviews, and again, our uh, college basketball season recap up on there as well in our interview last week regarding baseball with uh, two-time World Series champ, five-time All-Star Steve Sachs as well, too. All right, back at it here in Vegas uh, today. And uh, more great stuff uh, on the way this week. And don't forget, we'll be at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook, our Friday home. Be back there on Friday. The quarterback, one of our quarterbacks, Jay Schrader, will be joining me on Friday along with Marco D'Angelo, along with uh, Jay Cornegay and John Murray from the Westgate, just to name a few. All right, we continue on. We turn the page on college basketball, NBA playoffs right around the corner. Major League Baseball, we are now a week into the season. So, of course, a lot of baseball uh, will come our way here. But as we lower our voice, because we know we must do that at this time, because the Masters is upon us. That's right. Practice rounds have been going on the last couple of days. So I can raise my voice for that. But then we have to quash our voice a little bit as we get ready. Teen off tomorrow morning, I believe, what, at 6.18 in the morning? Jim Nance, by the way. You know, Jim Nance was on the court there after the game as well, too, being interviewed because he's from Houston, his last Final Four. And I imagine, you know, he's going he's gonna to be doing the Masters, probably maybe his last event for CBS. So it's good seeing Jim Nance there his, as well, too. His final send-off was... Hard to listen to. It was, was emotion- it? Yes. Was it? You okay. take a, when you get a chance, like go back and listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, now I'm kind of regretting I didn't get a chance to say goodbye or talk to him a little bit. But, you know, while I was on the court there, he was, he had a throng of people that are around him interviewing him and like, oh, it's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Media giving him uh, his, his time there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we got to talk to our good friend Scott Savloff, of course. Uh, our great television producer of so many PGA Tour events. He is our golf guru. What is going on, my friend? Well, let me tell you first, a good friend of mine who is the most talented broadcaster, Jimmy Nance, will be doing golf. He's just not doing NCAA basketball. There he's it is. He's doing football, and he's doing golf. And that guy is so freaking talented. Say, how talented is he, Scott? How talented is he, Scott? So funny you should ask, TC. But he, I, I will always text him during every major event, right? Does Super Bowl, does NCAA until now, the Masters. You can write him a note during, 
like they're coming up the 18th hole for the, for the win. And you go, great call, Jimmy, well done. And he's writing you back as he's calling the action. <laughs> I've never seen anybody that talented that can actually multitask to send you, thank you so much. You're always such a good supportive friend. And you're like, dude, how did you just make that call and do that on time and multitask? Because I'm not the only one writing him. He is just as nice and people think he's sappy. He's even nicer in person than he is on air. I could see that. That's a, and I, what, do, an amazing so, person. So you may know the answer to this, then, and, and Scott, I'd be curious to ask him if uh, get Jim on the show. I'd love to. Is why is he stepping aside for college basketball, uh, but continuing to do the NFL and, and the golf? I think he wants to do fifty years of golf, and he's just paid a ton of cabbage to do football. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just making so much bank on calling the action in football that he can't, you know, you're just not going to let it go. Mm-hmm. And in golf, he just is so talented. It, it's, it's like he's breathing it when he is calling that action. And I've seen, you know, producing events and I hire these people to do my made for TVs. No one has that skill set. You know, he just walks in, commands the room and he's just, you feel safe. And that's, you know, there's only one Jim Nance, period. And, uh, but, but you, you mentioned Augusta. It is the Disneyland for sports people. That's, that's what it is. It's true. You're right. You, you show up there. Look, when you're coming out of the bathroom, they even ask you, how was that experience? (laughs) They have like attendants. They point out the, the toilets that are open for you. And you're like, whoa, that's pretty intense. And then when you come out, they hand you paper towels. Have a great day. How was your experience? That's, think, a, that's a little really TMI, good. Scott. A little TMI for, for yeah, the porta potty. Sharon, hey, look, you know, uh, our, our seven foot friend once said, once you hit 50, you got to stop by every toilet you can. <laughs> but maybe that's just him. Is there any salsa dancing that's going on before or after that, that toilet? I, I, look, I don't want to know what he's doing in there. I just know that he says every time he goes by it after he hits fifty, he stops. Uh, but in, at, at Augusta, it's the it's the white glove treatment. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, I've never been to a place where people adults run out of the parking lot into a facility, check your phone, and run to go get a spot to stand. Mm. I've never seen that before. Yeah, for about, that. for about 12 straight hours, too. Yeah, yeah and it's like they're the most well-dressed. you know, well dressed. It's, it's crazy. You act out of line. They'll just tap you on the shoulder like they've got these eyes out there. Tap you on your shoulder. Excuse me. Uh, if we see you do that again, we're just going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, where did you see me do that? You know, kind of thing. I've seen people... Not because they don't serve hard liquor on the course, right? That's a misnomer. They don't do that. No one's sipping on mint juleps, which most people would assume out there. No, it's very, um, you're on your best behavior. Yeah, very professional setting, right? It really is. And people are really kind to each other, which is fantastic. But it is the modern day Studio 54. Wow. Meaning that when you go to that, there's a white picket fence. There's a big tree and a clubhouse and an area where all the the people you want to mingle with are inside that space. So it's kind of like the uh, velvet ropes of Studio 54. You want to go to Augusta, you want that experience. You want to get inside the ropes. You want to feel like you're uh, you're you're out there having a you know a VIP time. Uh, and there's no other place like it. I can't think of one other place where people just race in and then you're looking to see who you're standing next to. And it's just an amazing experience. I was going to ask you if that is the gold medal standard, where would the silver, who, who, who would get the silver medal? Who would be the next best experience? What course? Uh, I'd have to, you know, go into the, the, the open Right, the British Open, yes, with the RNA. Mm. St. Andrews would have to be 
that experience because, you know, you think, oh, the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, but because they have the AT&T there, it, it kind of takes away right. the allure. Right. But when you have at St. Andrews to go to the, to the British Open at St. Andrews, that's the home of golf. That's a pretty overwhelming experience. In the States, I would have to think the U.S. Open just sets the, the standard for the, the best event to be at, mm. other than the Masters. Mm. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just usually at a phenomenal golf course, hard. You're, but it's, you know, again, well behaved crowd. You're not getting out of line unless you're in New York at that page. Then, then you could get a little, a little wacky, but, but otherwise at the U S open, it's usually very refined crowd. Everyone is, you know, on their best behavior. So I would say very much like Augusta, but there's only one Augusta. Scott Savloff joins us as we talk uh, the Masters, which gets underway tomorrow. Scott, we'll, we'll get into the actual tournament itself, but before we do that, uh, the big news obviously is the continued rift, so to speak, between the PGA Tour and the Live Tour. Uh, Fred Ridley, Augusta's National Golf Club chairman, uh, confirmed that uh, the Live. Golf CEO and Commissioner Greg Norman uh, not invited to attend um, any of the festivities there at uh, the Masters this weekend. Uh, Ridley had said the decision was made to ensure the attention was focused on the tournament and the players competing in the Masters rather than you know hearing about uh, Live Golf uh, you know ongoing rift you know with the tour. Uh, right thing or wrong thing to do here if. If you're the well, Masters, well, first of all, if he could blame Nick Faldo, or he could, or he could maybe blame the, the the collar on his shark shirt for choking back in the '90s when he had that lead, right? And he choked up because if he wins the Masters, he's there, right? Yeah, he's there. Yeah. So he's only got himself to blame. He has he can't blame Fred really. He's the choke artist, mm. right? Um, I think it's the right thing to do. I think Greg. Uh, would only come there with one thing in mind. He has no other reason to be there. It, it, tour players that are not in that field, you're, you're not walking around that, that tournament. You may be at home watching it like us, but Greg would be there to be divisive. That's his personality. And uh, there's no uh, reason to take anything away from the action of the competition. And so I think Fred Ridley did the right thing. I also think he did the correct thing by having the top players, past winners, past champions. Um, you know, how fun would it have been to be at that dinner last night? Mickelson's there, Bubba Watson's there, and all these guys, you know, are, are staring at each other. Uh, uh, um, DJ is there. I mean, that would have been pretty interesting to watch, the interaction. But I have to believe a lot of these guys are dear friends from years ago. And unlike, you know, the rift between Sergio and Rory, a lot of these guys kind of have been friends for 25 years since they were children. Um, and they're just going to see each other and not make a big deal of it and just go out there and try to step on each other's throats playing golf. There are actually 18 live golf players competing in the Masters. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Bubba Watson, Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, just to, to name a few here. How much of a distraction is this going to be? And how much of this is going to get talked about? Uh, I would imagine as far as CBS goes and the national broadcast, they're not going to allude to this at all, but just the media in general. How, how much live are we going to be hearing, uh, during the course of the Masters? It depends who's. If, if the live guys make a charge for the leader board, right? Say that of the top five guys, three are from the live tour, then, then it's going to have to be addressed by CBS. And, and, you know, it's going to be a discussion between Augusta, Fred Ridley and CBS and, and how they address this kind of thing, because they don't want it to be a controversy and they're not looking to make it a spectacle. That's not the Augusta way. Um, however, if there are no live guys on the leaderboard, uh, I, I can't imagine them talking about it one iota, not, not even 
a sniff of live tour. Mm. You know, I mean, if you, if you look at it, we've talked about it a long time ago when, when the first thing happened, live television deal, right? No one watches that. Yeah. It, it's like, it's must not see TV. Yeah. Non-existent really. I mean, where do you even Non-existent. find it? You know? so, yeah. so you really haven't seen these guys in a long time. You know, Smith, you, you haven't seen Brooks Kepka. You see his wife, but you don't see Brooks Kepka. And you know, it's, it, it's something I want to see the competition. I want to see these guys, you know, the best players in the world. That to me, is what golf is missing. I, I think PJ Tour, as great as that brand is, I think it's suffering without having a lot of these really big names who are real good competitors in big tournaments. You know, it's the same cast of characters. So, it, you know, you're not going to want to see the leaderboard from the Honda Classic leading Augusta. Right. You want you want the best names, you know what I mean? Because it reflects you know, like watching baseball, you're reflecting on what you watch when you're a little kid. In golf, you are thinking about the leaderboard. You know, you want your name on that leaderboard. If you play golf, you want your name on that leaderboard with everybody. But it's, it's part of the allure of Augusta is that fantasy. And uh, they need to have big names on that leaderboard. You know, to, it, that, you know, to that point, Scott, it seems like, there are surprises every week. I mean, you mentioned the Honda class, others as well too. As far as you know, who who's winning these tournaments, who's competing for these tournaments, and it seems, especially for maybe the casual golf fans, like I've never heard of that guy, but look, he's you know on the verge of, of winning this tournament, or he's you know up on the leaderboard. Is it just the the nature of more balance now? Uh, and is there is there really much difference between these individual players nowadays? I mean, what what is it? Why are we seeing so many guys come out of nowhere um, that we've never heard of before, either winning tournaments or competing? I think it's a diluted field. I, I honestly believe that when these guys, if you look at the British Open last year, which was the last real major before the Live Tour took off, that all those guys pushed each other. Um, when you got DJ and he's putting well, he's creeping right down your back. You know he's getting, at any time he can throw number at you and beat you because he's long off the tee. And when he's rolling the putt, he can beat you. Smith can beat you. His short game is incredible. He's got the wildest hairdo, you know, he's got the mullet going. You, you're fearing the mullet. You know what I mean? You've got guys who bring out the best in the other big names. And that's what I think is missing right now on the PGA Tour. You have a lot of good young players. But what's the difference between that and, and watching, you know, um, the, the Corn Ferry Tour right now? Um, you know what I mean? There's, you got Scotty Scheffler. I mean, the guy's outstanding. He's a great guy to root for, he, you know. Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. These are great players. But they need the other guys to push them. They need the other motivation to really see them choke and then rise to the occasion and, and capture the imagination of the crowd. Uh, I'm a big believer that that diluted marketplace because of those vacancies have been, you know, kind of infiltrated with a lot of really good young players, but, but nothing where you go, wow, what a personality. That's you're not seeing. You, you know, Max Homa, maybe, but no one else where you're going, wow, what a personality. Most of the rest of the guys, you, you think they're, they're junior accountants and you're going to do your taxes. How much, when you're handicapping this tournament, do you factor in the familiarity with the course and how well a player plays this course at Augusta? Well, they've made a lot of changes over the last 20 years, right? Because of Tiger, they really stepped up their game and make it longer, harder. Uh, you cannot find a blade of grass out of whack at this golf course. So the players have no excuses other than themselves hitting to the zone where they should be. They know where they should be hitting it to, and they know where 
the the approach shot should be to be below the hole. You're above the hole here. Good luck. Uh, because those, you know, what you can't tell watching the television are the severe undulations of those greens. That's the great defender of Augusta National are the greens. Because if you're on the wrong side of the hole, it's real easy to three or four putt. And, and, and the average person, good luck. You know, when they're rolling 12 or 13 at Augusta, the approach shots, all of these things are, they need to know where they're doing it. Uh, they, they go out there on their practice rounds. Their caddies are marking exactly where they should be on all four rounds, but it's execution. And, uh, let me tell you, it's, it's an amazing thing. Here, here's the, the one thing that, that I'd like the viewers to, when you're watching on television, Try to see if you see a squirrel or a rabbit. <laughs> you will not see a squirrel or a rabbit at that golf course. How about that? Now, why is that? I mean, are you telling me that you've got, you know, Bill Murray on patrol there? I mean, he's scouting around no. and he's trying to, you know, b- you know, blow I, up these little I varmints. Found out. What's the deal? No, I I asked the question last time I was there. I was at the the, the last masters I went to was a couple of years ago when 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 you had to wear your mask. Yeah. Because it was amazing. Because there's only like 10,000 people there, so you had your own fairway. You know, you're walking around. It was great. Uh, and you can actually see the action. Uh, and so I asked I asked one of the members, and I said, what, what's the story? How come there's no squirrels and rabbits around here? You would think, you know, with all the wooded area. And, uh, and so a friend of that member said, no, at night they have hawks that they let out and basically patrol the grounds. And then they retrieve the hawks, you know, and it's like feeding time for these hawks. How about that? <laughs> Scott Savlov, bring, he's bringing this, you know, first of all, he's bringing us the, the toilet etiquette, uh, you know, oh, this, this behind the scenes well, stuff. You'll never find it. No, his, no, that's, that, that's Bill Cartwright 101. But, but keep going. It's true. And then, you know, we're finding out that you're not going to find a squirrel or rabbit anywhere. Let's go to our live on-the-spot reporter, Scott Savile, who's at Augusta right now. Exactly. You know, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. (laughs) Exactly. There it is. That's exactly what it is. If you start... Like I remember the next day, I'm wherever I was walking. I'm looking for rabbits and and squirrels or something. Nothing. You don't even see like if there's a if you drop like a cup. First of all, people are weird about your plastic cups there <laughs> because they collect them. Right? It has Augustus logo. So oh, yes. if you like go to throw away your cup, someone races over to the trash can and takes it, and you're like, "Whoa, that's weird." Souvenir time. I mean, that's like George Costanza, you know, going after uh, the eclair that he dropped in the in the garbage. You know, a hundred percent. I mean, but people are really weird about it. I'm telling you, it's like they get. Oh, are you throwing that cup out? Can I have that? And you're like, "Sure, sure, man. Do, do you want the wrapper for my ice cream too?" You know, you're you, you're kind of like, but it's the it's the whole experience. It's like they have chip witches there with peach ice cream. I, I don't know any other place that has that. Wait That's a minute. That, you better stop right there. I mean, that, that, I, I think I'm in. Just I'm in just for that factor alone. Are you kidding me? I, it is so good. Let me tell you something. And, and it's like a dollar fifty. Oh wow! Because they keep the prices low. You know, it's just this whole experience. That's what makes it such an experience. You know, the pimento cheese sandwich, and you go, okay, I'll have three of the, of the cinnamon ice cream chip witches. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> so here's what, you know, I want, just, here's what I want to know, though. I mean, when you go to the Masters, I mean, are yeah. you actually watching any golf? Or are you just on this mission to, I mean, to people watch and to talk to, to groundskeepers and, 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 and toiletarians? This is what I want to know. I mean, do you watch well, any golf? Are, are you interested on who's teeing off at 16 at 8.43 a.m.? No, but I am interested in going to the best range and the best media center on the planet. I don't care where you want to go. What sport? Nothing compares to the media center, leather seats on the back end of the range, uh, looking out a big glass, you know, just glass looking out where they open it up and you're just looking out at, at the range at this manicured 
range. And you go to that range, and these guys are working on every aspect of their game. That's what I go to do. I'm watching how they put in the time. They're, they're monitoring every shot that they're doing on the range. And then I go up to where the 10th tee is, the first tee is, and the putting green. That's the best spot. Because you're seeing, you're seeing the action. You're watching the guys tee off. You're watching them warm up. And that's all you really need. Because to chase them down the fairway, what a pain in the neck. Is there a narrative out there that the master's a little bit too snobby or too snooty that, you know, everything that you're talking about here? And are there golf fans that are turned off of that at all? I think they're turned off by golf. I don't know about Augusta. I think the people turn on your TV and you're like, did somebody adjust the hueing of my green? Because that's really green. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you we know. And that that's what we know. Yeah. You know, when they're wearing yellow, you know, ye- the yellow flag, that's Augusta yellow. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they, everything. So is it, I think that Augusta is from the line from Field of Dreams. It's, it's, it's everything of your past. You're, you're capturing your youth by Augusta. You reflect on that time of year. It's kind of like springtime, like opening day in baseball and Augusta is now spring. And I don't think that the fan, because it's a major and you're seeing competition at its best. So I don't think that that's the snootiness. I think the snootiness, you know, to me personally is more, the problem that golf itself has, it has a stigma attached with, you know, still with race and, and needing more um, diversity. Um, and when you see diversity, it's exciting, but it should not be something of notice. It should just be something that happens. It should just be because they're the best golfers, but it should have a wide array of people there. I think that's the, area of of pushback that people feel oh it's snooty golf by nature right mm-hmm. golf is an acronym for gentlemen only ladies forbidden right yeah. so there is lots of things that golf has to overcome but augusta nah mm-hmm. people want to see the best players play the best golf course and, and you talk about the colors uh it's amazing and i've never ever seen a golf course with so many different flowers uh, throughout the course. The I mean, azaleas, a- az- azaleas yeah. the golden bells, the white dogwood, the camellias, uh, the Carolina cherries, the yellow jasmine. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. The juniper uh, trees and everything, right? The magnolias. We hear about all this. I mean, is there another course even close to this? How about no. that flower? And that checks looking at me like, how about that flower knowledge? So you have... You mentioned that was Azalea's. impressive. What was it? Yeah, it was. I, I spent a lot of time around Adrian Adonis back in the day at the flower shop after uh, <laughs> trying to take over from uh, Roddy Roddy Piper and and Piper's Pit. Yeah, you know, there you go. Uh, <laughs> you know, that reflection, I don't think that you'll ever find another person other than you making a reflection of Roddy, right, Roddy Piper and Augustine in the same <laughs> sentence, but that's okay. Or Adrian Adonis, too. Yeah, throw him in. Correct. Exactly. Correct. You know what? You know, it, it's like, are you going to find a turnbuckle at Augusta? I don't think so. Yeah. All right, but, my friend, I, I give I us your prediction, play. man. Who's uh, who? Who are we watching for? Who has an advantage on this course? Who? Give us the Scott Savloff special. Watch Scotty Scheffler either win or come real close. Jordan Spieth is peaking at the right time. He knows the course. And this course plays to his strength, especially when he's rolling the ball. And to me, I would love to see, this is just my own, is Cam Smith make a charge? So that way there is the controversy of people saying, maybe these guys should all sit in a room and these rich dudes should figure this shit out. <laughs> Get this stuff right. Stop your childish behavior of who's making more money. And I want to see Cam Smith... Scotty Scheffler, 
my guy Rory make a charge and have a, a cluttered leaderboard where people go, I've got to sit down and watch this on Sunday. Uh, that, that's my prediction. Uh, Numchuck was confused. I think you're playing the music of Roddy Roddy Popper. You thought we were at the British Open or something. What are you, what are you doing? That, that's not Master's music. Isn't Piper a Scot? He's a Scot. Scott, you know, what you could do is you could play because you're down in Augusta. You could get away with playing the music from Deliverance this because outside true, the right? gate, you never know what's going on outside the gate. But inside right? the gate, right. different experience. Yeah, you don't want to be caught outside the gates uh, in that neighborhood, right? Huh? Let, let me tell you something. The, the most underwhelming experience is when you get to Augusta. And God love it. I have relatives down there. But when you get to Gus, you're thinking the whole town is going to be like this. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> w- w- what happened? And then you get inside the gates. You're like, wow. You know, it's that giant wow factor. The, uh, you know, inside the gates is where you want to stay. Hmm. Brother, I appreciate it. As always, a great stuff. Uh, we'll be watching this tournament very, very carefully and closely. Uh, always exciting. It is the best golf experience, uh, as you've said, in person and uh, on television as well, too. So uh, looking forward to the snootiness, uh, looking to hopefully it, the the whole live tour versus PGA thing doesn't get, uh, you know, caught up. And that's a big story early on in the week. But you're right. You know, once we tee it off on Thursday, uh, we should not be hearing any of that. And you're not going to hear it on the national broadcast uh, with your good friend Jim Nance on CBS. But uh Always look forward to it, man, and I appreciate your synopsis. Well, my pleasure. Make sure uh, you do tune in when, when you're in between golf, the path to your podcast, my podcast. Uh, this week I'm launching uh, some new music from the band OAR. Oh, yeah. There, there's something for you guys to pull up, a little OAR music. OAR. There, you know, and again, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to give you some love uh, and uh, drive uh, our listeners, you know, to your podcast one more time. Tell them where they can find the you. The path here. Yeah. The path yeah, You can here. go to yes. at, at Scott Zavlov on at Instagram. You, you find out all the little tidbits. All right, brother. Uh, I appreciate you as always. Uh, take care. And uh, more than anything else, we appreciate Scott Zavlov, our now, our new astute groundskeeper. <laughs> License to kill gophers by the government of the United Nations. Man, free to kill gophers at will. To kill, you must know your enemy. In this case, my enemy is a varmint. And a varmint will never quit, ever. They like the Viet Cong. Varmint Cong. So what you gotta do, you gotta fall back. That's superior firepower. And superior intelligence. And that's how she wrote. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. No, not yet. Not yet? Not yet. Keep going. Seven minutes, 47 seconds. (laughs) It is time for another trip to Chicago, man. I got to find an excuse to go to Chicago. Wrigley. I know, but it doesn't help when they're not very good. I know, got to go just to go, but it's... Not the same, man. They're actually decent this year. Look at them. They're they're decent through what six games? Are you trying to tell me? Okay, we'll see. They're I'll, looking promising. Baby. I do want to go to Wrigley this summer. I do want to go to Wrigley this summer. I need to. Chicago. You know who I'm going to take with me? My man Chuck Esposito, Mister Chicago. He wants to go. Let's go, brother. Let's go. That's your cue, Chuck. I'm definitely ready to go, buddy. <laughs> When was the last time you went to Wrigley? Um, it's been a, it's been a few, um, but I, I, I do love going back. And you're right about going in the summer, and you know, you just kind of walk up those steps, and you see the ivy, and you know the history of the ballpark, and who has actually played in that ballpark. Um, and there is something magical about it. 
Now, Chuck, did you go? Have you been there since they did the renovations? I have. I have. Yeah. I've been to night games there. I've been there, you know, since the renovations. Um, you know, Wrigleyville has um, really changed dramatically. It's yeah. a lot of fun. And but uh, but I have. I have. I remember as a kid uh, getting out of school and my my mom taking my brother and I there and getting there like you know after the fifth inning and then waiting you know outside um, for the ball players. They actually had to to walk past people to get to their cars then and uh, to get autographs and, and things like that. So it's just uh, great memories. It was fun, you know, growing up there and, and having Wrigley as uh, the park you got to go see your, your favorite team play at was pretty special. I'm doing, you know, the uh, the um, Wayback Machine now. It's not that far, but I'm just doing the math. Last time, I haven't been back since 2015. Since I moved out here, I haven't been back to Wrigley. And, uh, you know, they were... They were going through those renovations. They were changing, you know, the with the the new scoreboard and all that other kind of stuff. And I know that a lot of people in Wrigleyville and diehard Cubs fans were saying, "Ah, oh, man, I wish they wouldn't do that." But I think they did a pretty good job of of preserving that. But I'm due, man. I I, I want to go back uh, just ele- just alone, Chuck, so I can get a couple Vienna all beef hot dogs right when I walk in the <laughs> gate, right there to the right with the grilled onions, baby. Yes. I think that a nice cold old style and your day is made. Get your old style here. No. Old style. Do we not remember the breaking news? We have breaking news? No more old style at Wrigley. That's right. Oh, that's right, huh? It shows you that I haven't been back there for several years. Oh, that sucks that's so crazy, bad. man, you know? How now what was the reason behind that? Don't tell me just Budweiser Budweiser took over. bought him out and or took over and but they've had that partnership with Budweiser long for a long time and they still had old style. Wow, they booted him out, huh? That's don't not remind man. I know that is heartbreaking, boys. It is just heartbreaking. It is. Well, you don't have to do, Chuck. That means you're just going to have to go a little bit earlier and have a couple old styles before you go in the park. Because as we know, there's a couple taverns <laughs> that still have old style, right? I'm all oh. good, boys. You know, if I could go back right now, I'd be all good with that. Oh man, I I got to do it. I I got to just make sure to find time to go to Chicago uh, for that. Not only just Wrigley, but just, man, so many spots. My man, Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock Station Casino's um, executive director, vice president, uh, call him the the guru, the czar, whatever, of the uh, the Station Casino's uh, race and sports book. Whatever that title is, Chuck, I think we covered it. There it is. <laughs> I think you covered mine, Jason. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, symbols. I think you covered them all in there, buddy. That's what it's all about. All right, man. So I want to hear about the Final Four experience uh, from Vegas. Since I wasn't around here, I want to know what was happening at your sports book. Uh, talk about the atmosphere and talk about you know coming into the games on Saturday, the two semifinal games, who they were betting, and where'd the line movement go? You know, it, it was strange, T. I mean, not in a, a bad way, but I mean, when you think about last year with with Kansas and Nova and and North Carolina and Duke having the blue bloods, and what you had this year, it was just it was a, kind of a different feeling. The tournament as a whole was phenomenal. The crowds, the the atmosphere, the handle, kind of the hype in the book was great. Um, you know, a lot of upsets, a lot of unders, which were good for our side of the counter. I would say, though, that Final Four weekend and the championship game were both really good for the guests. If you had a look at two of the days that really stood out um, for the guests on the other side of the counter, that would be them. In both cases, you had UConn, who covered the number, both in the Final Four game and the championship game. And then in that first game, we saw a lot of San Diego State money plus the points in that game. Number got about as high as, uh, as as three, and there was a lot of money on the favorite, uh, excuse me, a lot of money on uh, Florida Atlantic plus the three, and a lot of money on San Diego State on the money line. So with that game falling one, uh, clearly was not best case scenario for our side of the counter. So two of the better days as far as, you know, the win-loss side of it really were the final four in the championship game uh, for our guests and betters on the other side of the counter. Chuck, I can tell you what that atmosphere was like in front of 73,000 when Lamont Butler hit that jumper to give San Diego State uh, the victory. What was it like in that book, even though really that that shot did not have any outcome whatsoever, you know, on the on on the line either way. Now maybe money line betters, you know, for money San Diego line State. It did be, yeah. yeah, that's true. Money line, it it, it definitely did. So yeah. you know, there was people who had Florida Atlantic on the money line, and you know, pretty much the entire game 
thought that they were in the driver's seat. So it, it definitely did. It was loud. There was no question. There was a huge kind of, you know, eruption. Thought that Florida Atlantic really kind of misplayed the end of the game by, by you know, take it down. Those extra three seconds would have forced San Diego State to take a much different shot and not have as much time to kind of get down there, you know, make a few moves, set up and take the jumper. When it left his hands, though, I think we all knew it was in. Yeah, yeah, amazing uh, game that was. And then as we uh, talked about, Chuck, it was kind of like the UConn Invitational, the way UConn just ran through the field of winning uh, those six games all by double digits, the closest game, a 13-point victory over Miami. Then you had, you know, a 15-point victory over St. Mary's. And then the final game uh, on Monday night, a 16-point victory over San Diego State. Then you throw in the blowout to Arkansas, the blowout to the 28-point victory over Gonzaga. This UConn team was just uh, phenomenal and uh, just curious uh, how much action that you did take on UConn, not only on Saturday, but but uh, on Monday night as well. Yeah, as I said, T, you know, we were, we were rooting against them in both cases. Um, so having them kind of win and blow them out and, you know, it, it, it was good for the other side of the counter. Uh, we really needed to keep the Monday night, the championship game under um, and we weren't able to do it. And we know that San Diego State plays kind of that ugly style and slow down. And uh, you could tell kind of in the first 10 minutes a little bit more up-tempo. They were a little bit, you know, more attacking um, UConn in that game. Uh, but not keeping it under, uh, having it go over and having UConn kind of win the way that they did first half in game. Again, probably one of the better, if not the best game in the tournament uh, for the guests and the betters on the other side of the counter. Now, Chuck, didn't that line, as far as the total goes, you know, didn't it open at one thirty three and, and close at one thirty one? I think it was one thirty two T and did dip down a little bit, but then really crept back up by a tip off. Okay. But I think every parlay that was tied to um uh, to UConn uh, had the over in it. Just thought right. that their style of play um, and the, the amount of blowouts that they had had in the tournament was really, you know, kind of conducive to a, a UConn and over type bet. And that's what we saw a lot of um, in the hours leading up until tip off. All right. We had talked before about the futures leading up to this game in UConn. You could have got them at 60 to one earlier on. We know those, those lines obviously adjusted, you know, much, much lower, but still a decent payout for people who had the Huskies. Any liability uh, from your perspective? On uh, on UConn, or were there any other scares, you know, going into that? No, not really. T. We were, as you mentioned, you know, and we talked about sixty to one. They weren't even ranked, you know, going into the season. Uh, so a lot of people didn't know how good UConn would or wouldn't be. But from a liability standpoint, actually in you know fairly good shape with both teams. A little bit better shape with San Diego State, but no liability whatsoever on UConn going in. Now again, as I've said. Uh, the decision on the game itself uh, was one of the better decisions uh, for the guests. Mm-hmm. Chuck Esposito joins us over at uh, Red Rock talking about the NCAA tournament. Chuck, uh, just uh, from your perspective, and I know you're a big basketball fan as well too, especially a college basketball fan, what was the best moment of the NCAA tournament for you? I guess he just, you know, having – you know, so many schools that, you know, were able to play with the big boys. The fact that the last five years, and I guess it's a little bit catch-22. You know, you love to have the, the blue bloods in it and the teams that um, that everybody follows. But I thought this year's tournament, you know, there was so much balance with some of these smaller schools. And I know that I've talked about, you know, kind of the David against Goliath and who's going to wear Cinderella's glass slipper. But I think it just screams at how much parity there is overall in the tournament. Um, I know that you and I talked about it, but that first Thursday and Friday, a lot more, a lot tighter lines, uh, not as many, you know, double-digit favorites, uh, uh, not nearly as many teams, you know, uh, above 20. You used to see games in the 30s and even higher. Um, you just don't see that anymore. I think the tournament has really changed with the, the transfer portal, uh, kids one and done in many cases from some of the bigger schools. And I think from a parity's perspective, uh, you've got to give, uh, you know, David a shot against Goliath right now almost on a yearly basis. With that said, the last five years, the number one seed had won it, and 12 of the last 15, a number one seed had won it. But that that script was altered and changed dramatically this year, and I think that's what kind of made it a fun tournament um, for our side of the counter, just the competitiveness of it and, and seeing and hearing the crowd and the atmosphere out there when some of these smaller schools were playing with the big boys and knocking uh, some of the big boys off. And for me, Chuck, I don't think uh, this was a one-off. 
I think this is kind of the new age of college basketball. And we've talked about it before, the transfer portal, the extra year of eligibility. But these were all older teams. I mean, yeah, average age of around 22, 23 years old for some of these teams. We saw San Diego State with seven seniors. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I love Miami, it. too. I, I think Miami it. was an older team as well. Yes, Pete. yeah, absolutely. And I love the parody of, of the aspect. But, you know, you hear so many people, and I think it comes really more from casual basketball fans, oh, there's no blue bloods or a bracket got blown up earlier on and they kind of lost interest and and I'm curious about the final you know television numbers of that championship game and I'm sure that you know we're probably going to hear that they were not uh, um you know you know the biggest because we didn't have those blue bloods but from a betting perspective from a handle perspective did you see a drop in handle because we didn't have Kansas and didn't have North Carolina didn't have Villanova didn't didn't have those those major schools yeah, I mean, it definitely affected Handle T. Um, I think just from the unfamiliarity of some of these schools that they just aren't quite as familiar with. Um, on the flip side, the fact that it was San Diego State, a team from the mountain, and a team that, you know, our guests are familiar with from playing UNLV twice a year, I think that did benefit, though, and it helped um, the Handle somewhat. Uh, again, you want to see some of these small schools compete, and it's great, but when you don't have of these blue bloods in it, it definitely has somewhat of a, of a, I would say, a slightly negative effect to some degree. Um, the tournament was still great, terrific handle, great crowd. The atmosphere was terrific. Uh, we had four winners in the last man standing um, that will split uh, the, the prize pool that were left. And I, I really would be remiss if I didn't also include the, the women's uh, tournament and, and championship and Final Four. Um, the, the handle and the atmosphere, just what we drew on, on those Final Four games and then the championship game on Sunday was phenomenal. I mean, when you talk about maybe the men not having those big popular blue blood teams in there, having Iowa and and uh, and Caitlin Clark in there, and having South Carolina and Leah Boston in there was great. Having you know LSU and their star players in there and, and Virginia Tech. I mean, it was fun to watch. I mean, we put props up on on those on those games, uh, and they really were received really really well. Uh, from the guests. So um, I was excited at the women's. We saw such an uptick in kind of handle and excitement and enthusiasm uh, across the board. And it was phenomenal basketball. I really enjoyed watching the women's, uh, uh, you know, a lot during the season, but especially the tournament, Final Four, and then championship game. And that's great. I mean, again, you know, when you have the aces here and more and more people are going to the games, more and more people are betting on the WNBA games, specifically the aces. That's fantastic. And I think that, you know, because that Maybe you'll get, well, let me watch this college basketball stuff. And especially it, it helps, you know, when you got Asia Wilson from South Carolina and then the national attention that South Carolina is getting. They were 36 and one before that loss to Iowa in the final four on Friday night. And uh, you mentioned the women's tournament. It was fantastic. And kudos to LSU uh, for not only covering, but winning, you know, that game outright and being the national champions were, you know, really. Uh, on the flip side, I'll interrupt you. That was a good game. For our side of the counter, yeah, there the women's some. championship was really good, and so was I was upset of uh, of South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So when you look at the the television ratings for the men's side in the NCAA championship game Monday night, uh, they drew fourteen point six million viewers. That was actually down fourteen percent. Which okay, I I understand that because of uh, the Kansas with North Carolina final last year, the two blue bloods, but the women's up a hundred and three percent. And uh, they showed that on ABC. They had 9.9 million viewers for that. So, hey, that I love hearing that, Chuck. I just love that people are, are were tuning in to watch uh, the women's final because that was a great game, too. I couldn't agree more, T. Um, you know, we kind of capitalized it throughout the season with, with UNLV uh, getting off to kind of that hot start and, and, a, and a team that was outside the top 25 but was on that long winning streak was starting to, to cut into that. So we had put a lot of the top 25 games up, all the Lady Rebel games up. And then once the tournament started, we had everything up as well um, to win it and uh, um, and all the games. Uh, I loved watching the women's finals and uh, the tournament. I thought it was tremendous basketball, so talented in the, the number of threes that they hit. Uh, they play really, really well. And I think everybody kind of got excited um, to watch these battles because um, you had the star power um, in the women's um, that were really going for the Final Four in the championship game. So uh, fun to watch that side of it. 
definitely a win-win from our side of the counter. And, and overall, I mean, the tournament as a whole, once you get through that kind of that big football game that, you know, it's at the first, of Feb, first week or two of February, um, once we get to tournament time, it is just electric, I think, in all of our sports book and the sports books and the atmosphere was just so much fun, not only for our guests, but I know for uh, our team and, and all the hub guys and, and ticket writers and, and the management team here, it was, it was the same. We, we always enjoy tournament time as well. You got it. Just a fantastic time. Uh, great job, Chuck. We appreciate it. Next big event, uh, we, we'll look at Kentucky Derby the first Saturday in May. And then you know you got the draft party, uh, the draft coming up. You're going to be doing, doing some stuff with that. We will talk about that next time we have you on as well, too. And then, of course, Major League Baseball. But uh, uh, great stuff. Uh, you know, I love talking with you about uh, – the tournament and, and everything else, Chuck, and we'll continue to talk with you next week when we start turning the page towards baseball. Sounds great, T. I appreciate uh, you know the, the fond memories we talked about on Chicago. It's yep. good to have you back and look forward to jumping in this stuff next week. You got it, brother. Appreciate you, Chuck. Thanks, buddy. There he is, Chuck Esposito at Red Rock. All right, I want to thank Chuck for joining us today. Scott Savloff talking about the Masters in Augusta. Great stuff there. Pete Gillen putting a bow and wrapping up the Final Four in the championship game. And, uh, you know, great trip uh, that I... Uh, got to partake in going back to the Final Four again this year in Houston and uh, along going with uh, a couple Astros games and see the championship ring ceremony. That was all all great stuff. All right, we'll be, go back at it again uh, tomorrow. Make sure that you uh, join us as we continue on here. And then we'll be at the Westgate of Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook, our Friday home, coming up this Friday. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. And we say goodbye to college basketball. What a great season. I want to thank all of our contributors, our former players and coaches and our announcers and giving you the, the best coverage possible for this great sport. And also a shout out to Jim Nance. Uh, great seeing him as he says his farewell to broadcasting college basketball. Little confetti toss for Dan Hurley. Guys, another loss. We're, we're at a loss. We're at a loss for sure. The GOAT. Just remember, one thing I learned through all of this is everybody has a dream and everybody has a story to tell. Just try to find that story. Be kind. You've told it better than most, let me tell you. Can I tell you one other thing? I mean this, not to try to play off hello friends, but to you, everybody in the college game, my CBS family, my family, all the viewers. Thank you for being my friend.